What is the company of one and why do you care? Today I'm going to answer that question, how we can use this company of one concept to make you happier at work, but more importantly, to make more money. So let's jump into episode number 174 of the company of one. So now we're going to be talking about the company of one concept. Now by that I mean, what is the company of one? This name of this podcast is Company of One. And some of you have told me that, hey, there's two podcasts out there named Company of One. And there are. Uh, I think it's Paul Jarvis. Uh, I don't actually know Paul Jarvis personally, but his uh, Company of One concept, he's focused on, hey, companies shouldn't really grow. They shouldn't try to ge- uh, keep growing. They should be small companies uh, or He's at least uh, posting to the benefits of that. What we're talking about here is something different. And uh, the uh, Company of One concept came out of me teaching entrepreneurship, for me coaching entrepreneurs over a series of time. And we started going through this concept, and it helped people to understand how they make money. It helped them to actually make more money. But as we've been going through this, and I refer back to the company of one concept all the time, many of you are asking, well, what is the company of one podcast? And, uh, or what is the company of one concept? And so it's a great time to review that. I was just going over this with my two sons just the other day, going through the company of one material, realizing that sometimes people that are near you hear stuff all the time, but they don't really hear stuff. And so it was a chance to show them this is what we're talking about. And this is how you increase your income by increasing your service. So let me explain to you what this is all about and uh, what's going on here with the company of one. So I always do this with pictures, and unfortunately, I cannot draw the picture right now over audio, although we do do the preview over Facebook Live. I probably could draw a picture. Last time I drew something on a Zoom call, uh, somebody called me up and said, Dale, don't do that again. Uh, So uh, apparently, they saw how wonderful and beautiful my handwriting is, and uh, it just put them to shame. Actually, they couldn't read what I wrote, uh, which is just typical of my handwriting. But So I won't draw it. So I'm going to have you draw it in your brain because I know many of you listen to podcasts as you are walking on a treadmill, walking through the neighborhood, running, uh, driving, and doing different things. So you can just imagine, and please don't close your eyes because I know you're, you might be driving. Actually, none of those scenarios is good for you to have your eyes closed. Uh, unless you're a lot more coordinated than I. But just imagine this. I always think about it as two individuals or two, sometimes I draw this as two circles because stick men, in my view, are not very good, but two circles. Uh, and, And so it's two entities. And let's think about you being one of the entities. Entities. So when I draw this, I'll say you're you are here. Sam's in one circle, and Walmart is in the uh, another. And I love using Walmart because it's a company we are all dearly familiar with, uh, at least in the United States, but I know even in other parts of the world. But if Walmart is not a company familiar uh, to you, I know many people, many of uh, the listeners to this podcast are in Africa. And uh, I don't know what's in Africa, but just think about a store or a place where you do business. 
and you go to buy groceries and things that you need to cook meals. The, it's the place of commerce. So we go to Walmart. So the Walmart in the United States, big giant store, and it sells practically everything. But think about what happens. Those of us familiar with Walmart, what happens in Walmart? All the magic in Walmart is at the cash register. Think about that for just a second. The big giant store, trucks rolling, all kinds of activity happen uh, as part of the corporate entity. But the magic, the reason they are in business is all about the cash register. It's about the exchange of money. Because what happens at the cash register is a relationship between two people, right? The cashier or who's representing the company of Walmart and you. You are handing money over in exchange for goods. Nor, or if you're at the back and you're getting your oil changed or your tires rotated or something of your, for your vehicle, you are exchanging money in exchange for services. In this exchange where I hand over money to you and you hand me back goods and services, uh, that is going to be what we call commerce, what we call doing business. That's just, that's how the world runs. That's how money flows. So whether it's Walmart to you or something else, where you, um, where you do business. Now, for those of you in the United States, you will understand fully the issue of anytime I tell this story, especially when I'm telling it in front of an audience, people will laugh and say, well, if all the magic happens at the cashier at Walmart, you would think they would have more than one cashier, right? Because that's uh, usually the joke is long lines at Walmart. They've kind of fixed that as Amazon's come into the game. But here, that's the entity. Now, let me, let's give you a couple of definitions. The person who takes out their money and hands it over for the goods and services, that is what we call the customer, right? Not complicated, I appreciate that, but that's what we call the customer. The person or the entity that's taking the money in exchange and they are providing the goods and services is what we call the company. So the company provides the services and takes money, the customer receives the services in exchange for money is really, really important. And those seem like little nuanced things. And well, gee, Dale, that's really not that complicated. You're really treating me like a kindergartner. And I may be. But unfortunately, as I hope you'll see in a minute, we tend to think like a kindergartner on this one. We have had our mind clouded by whether it be the educational system or the system we live in by some things. But that's the definition. That's Walmart. So I now want to flip the script and think about, uh, and by the way, that we call that little model there, the exchange of goods and services for money, we call that uh, the business model. Um, so let's look at another model that most of us are, are really, really familiar with, and that is the employee model. The employee model is where I go to work for a big giant company. Let's, let's say it's AT&T. Let's say I manage projects for AT&T. I'm a project manager. So I go to work for AT&T. I get in my car, drive to AT&T or do it over Zoom. However I do my job, I'm providing that service. And at the end of the week, end of the month, whenever, they pay me. 
And so it, I will draw the same two circles. So think about, or two more circles. And now I'm going to put my name in one. I'm going to put AT&T or my employer in the other. Because that's what we call the person over here is we call them the employer. And we call me, in this case, or, or whoever's doing the work, the employee. Right? And we're all pretty familiar with this relationship, too. This, you know, when we say, I want to go get a job or I need a new job, that's what we're talking about is, uh, is this employer-employee relationship. Now, think about the two circles, though. What happens? What's the relationship look like? What happens is that the customer hands over money in exchange for goods and services. Who's providing the service? Well, I am. I'm the project manager. The service I'm providing is helping them manage their projects and keep them going on time. That's a service. Who's paying who? Well, AT&T is paying me. And that's not really true because it's really an individual in AT&T that pays me or authorizes. It's my boss that authorizes me to get paid, right? It keeps me there. Maybe it's more complicated than that. It's my boss's boss. Who knows? But there's, there's people. AT&T doesn't breathe, doesn't think, you know, and, and a lot of times we say, I'm, I work for this company. Well, no, you don't. You work for an individual. Uh, so, but that doesn't matter right now. That exchange for money, so in the employee model, we're seeing money flow in exchange for goods and services, just like the business model, right? There's nothing different in that, except who's the customer now? At this point, the person or the entity that's handing over the money is AT&T or their representative. I am the company, right? Because the customer takes out money and hands it over in exchange for goods and services. So now my employer, what I always thought is my employer, is now my customer. Now, I teach this stuff and have been doing this for years and years uh, in our graduate program that we've been talking through this customer relationship. And usually, especially if I'm teaching this live or if I'm speaking to a group, people kind of give me this, you know, like like your dog looks at you when you make a squeaking toy noise, right? You know, that's their head kind of cocks over crazy like, what? What did you just say? My boss is my customer. And that's unsettling to many of us. And I think it's unsettling to many of us because we've kind of come to the point in our cultures, and I'd say this is many cultures. This is when I talk to people in Africa or India or China, they have the same frustrations about work that we do in the United States. Uh, it's, you know, it's the man's keeping me down kind of mentality. But, but when they sit there and think, because generally as a rule, we have this mentality that the customer is always right, which I totally disagree with, but that's a whole nother issue. But we have this mentality that the customer is always right and that uh, you should take care of your customers, you should cherish your customers. And we, at the same time, have this mentality of my boss is generally a jerk, can't be trusted. And I realize there's exceptions. But as a rule, and if we watch what's modeled by Hollywood for us, that's pretty much the rule. Your boss is the jerk that holds you down. Uh, and, and now I'm equating, I'm equating that person that we, we feel like we need to be good to and care for as well with that person that we feel like we almost get to disregard 
as being an idiot. And, and so when I'm saying your boss is your customer, that's troubling to many people. And I get that because I've felt that about people. We've all worked for good old jerks, right? Uh, and some of us have, uh, you know, and again, I say if you haven't worked for the jerk and you don't know who that is, probably you're the jerk. Uh, so, you know, so you always, you know, always be aware, self-aware of what's going on there. So as we're thinking through this, though, this employee model and the business model are the exact same thing. And this is where the idea of company of one comes from, because no matter what you're doing, if you're working for a large ginormous company or you're working for you know uh, some Bob Smith bicycle shop down the street and you work for Bob Smith uh, either way you are providing a service in exchange for money by definition you are a company and you are serving a customer or a group of customers right and your customers are not if you work for the bike shop your customers are not the people coming in buying bikes that's the bike owner's customers. Your customer is the owner. Your customer is your boss. Remember, your customer is always the person paying you. And that's another place we get really, really, really confused about. The customer is the person that pays you. That's very, very important. Let me give you an extreme example that people get caught up in. A lot of times, uh, I'll have people that are school teachers in, let's say, the K through 12 school system, and they love, love, and I'm talking about the typical passionate teacher, they love taking care of their students. Their heart is for teaching and for their students. They despise administration. They despise school boards. And I'm, there's a few exceptions, but pretty much that's true. Uh, the system they hate. And I'm, I watch teachers all the time leave teaching, not because of the students, because of the system and the administration. So when I start talking about the students are not your customers, they get mad at me because they're saying, wait a minute, that's who I'm serving. Yeah, but when was the last time a student paid you in the typical system, right? It's not the student ever paying you. In in it's, it's always the administration or the school board that's authorizing you getting paid. Now, do the parents and the students have something to do with the flow of money? A little bit. Not as much as you think. But the administration that you despise is your customer. And that's unsettling. And it should be. If you are finding yourself at odds with a group of people that pay you, you kind of have an issue, right? You've got some serious issues. Because here's another thing people say to me, as they say, uh, so I can I can speak. So I wasn't too long ago when I was speaking and there was, you know, let's say there was 220 people in the room. I don't know. But, you know, I, I ask a question. I said, how many of you are or want to be entrepreneurs? I'm going to guess about half of the hands raised. And then I asked, you know, how many of you do not ever want to be an entrepreneur? And, well, some hands raised, you know, they don't want to. And I don't know where the people in the middle sat. They just go like, I can't figure out what I'm doing for a living. Uh, but either way, there's a certain percentage of people who do not want to own their own company and, and be their own boss. And there's a certain percentage of people that do. So here's some good news. I'm just what, So just let me just ask you to self-identify. 
Do you want to be an entrepreneur? You can raise your hand. That's okay. There's probably nobody going to look at you weird. Don't raise both hands if you're driving down the road. But other than that, do you want to be an entrepreneur? Right? Raise your hand. Do you want to own your own business and be your boss? I want to see it. Yeah, okay, I see you there. You're raising both of your hands. I see that. What about the ones who don't? Who are you? Right? Okay, yeah, raise your hand. You don't want to be an entrepreneur. You never want to know your own, be in your own business. Now, what's troubling is I know that many of you didn't raise your hand because some of you really don't know the answer to that question. Well, you, that's okay because I'm going to help you out. Those of you that want to be in your own business, congratulations. Whether you are in your own business or, or you, whether you work for AT&T or Walmart or Chick-fil-A or some entity, you are all entrepreneurs. By definition, if somebody's paying you, you are an entrepreneur. Now, for those of you who don't ever want to be in business and you don't want the responsibilities for that, well, I'm so sorry. You are an entrepreneur. You're all the same. Now, the difference between the two of you is a little bit of mindset and responsibility and what you want. But both groups, both of us, and I've stood in both groups, we're both twisted because we think we want to be our own boss because we think we have certain freedoms that aren't really there. And the others think that we won't have, you know, because I don't want to own my own company, you feel like you don't want those responsibilities that you have anyway and you're denying them. So both of us, both mindsets that we have, are, are, they've been lied to. And they've been lied to by the educational system that tells us we go to work for somebody else. Because part of the rest of that message of being an employee is the employer, AT&T in the example I use, they take care of us. They, you know, they, it's my job to show up. It's my job to be competent. It's my job to do a good job. But other than that, they should take care of me. They should look out for me. They should take care of my pension and retirement and guide me. Uh, and we, it's kind of a nanny state mentality that a lot of us have. Now, I think you do. Right? We, we, we think that when, because I hear people say, well, I deserve a raise. Yeah, right. I deserve to be recognized for the work I do. I deserve to be treated better. I deserve all kinds of things. And we, and we, we make statements like that, and we mean it. We totally feel uh, empowered. We feel uh, uh, like we've been left out, by been cheated because we've been treated certain ways. You deserve junk. Well, the truth is you don't deserve any of that junk. you got to earn it. And to earn it, you've got to take control of the business. You've got to take control of the company. You are a company of one. And whether you want to be or not, you are. You better deal with it. Now, here's the good side. So if that sounded negative, I'm sorry. It can be. But here's the good side. When you take control of it, you get an incredible amount of freedom. You start realizing you have a lot more control than you think you do. You get to have joy in the work that you do for all kinds of reasons that we can't get into today. But the most important thing for many of you is you get to make more money. You have the power to do those kind of things. 
not because the boss does things. Because the, here's here's what I'm always always told is I'm waiting. I'm a, or I'm hoping next year when we do our uh, evaluations, I'll get a pay raise. I'm hoping for a pay raise. I'm hoping that they'll promote me, right? Um, that's just that is a terrible business model. That's kind of like. That's kind of like the CEO of Walmart sitting there saying, I'm, I think I think we're just going to sit here and we're going to hope that, you know, maybe more people buy more stuff for us next year. I, as a matter of fact, I think we should hope that maybe Amazon doesn't get more aggressive. Yeah, let's hope for that. Yeah, cool. Let's, cool. Great meeting, y'all. Let's go home. That's a stupid business model. They would never, ever do something like that because, number one, Amazon and the competitors aren't going to operate that way. And that's not how, that's not responsible. If your CEO of your company you're invested in, if you invest in stocks and your CEO was operating that way, you'd want to fire, kick him out of the office. You don't want that person being CEO because they're irresponsible. They cannot be trusted to run and manage the company. Go look in the mirror right now. That's really weird if you're driving, I'm sorry, or if you're running down the road. Imagine yourself looking in the mirror. If you can look in a mirror, look in the mirror without wrecking or crashing or tripping over something. But when the person looking back at you, are you an irresponsible business owner? For many of us, the answer is yes. And I know not because you told me it's yes, but I know because I've said this thousands and thousands of times over the years to groups of people, to small audiences, to big audiences, one-on-one. -on -one. And uh, I can see that look. And many times, many times, I have it written to me and many times uh, that people will say, I realized how irresponsible I was and what I was doing, not paying attention to my customers. I mean, just all kinds of statements like this of a realization of the uh, of sh uh, shirking the responsibilities that you have. So I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm actually trying to empower you because this is an awesome thing. It's very, very awesome. But once you, but you got to get your head around it. So let me unpack this just a little bit more. Um, and, and I remember the, the, the first time I heard this, it was Earl Nightingale, The Strangest Secret. Some of you are familiar with that. If you don't, look up The Strangest Secret as a YouTube video. It's probably a 1950s audio, so it sounds like it. But Earl Nightingale talk, talking about The Strangest Secret. I don't think it was this particular audio, but in one audio, Earl Nightingale says, every business is made up of four components. So and this is true now, it was true then. Those four components are operations, marketing, research, and finance. So any business out there or entity out there, whether it's government entity or not, I can break them up and all the people in those entities doing work, I can put them in those four groups. So operations, let me just use Walmart for an example. So Walmart uh, the operations people in Walmart. And by the way, there's usually what's called a chief operations or chief operating officer. Sometimes we'll see that as the COO, the chief operating officer. This person is responsible for all operations. Now, what operations is, is all the things that the company does to take care of the customer. 
they deliver the product and service to the customer, right? Because remember the model? Money is only exchanged for goods and services. It's so important. People don't exchange money for come, somebody coming and showing up at work at 8 and leaving at 5. That's usually, and there, there are probably some exceptions, but that's not, an, that's not a service. Many of you think it is. I show up at work every day. Yeah, so what? So what? The trash can's here every day too. And in some cases, the trash can may be more service than some of the people that you're working with. <laughs> you probably know who those people are. So Walmart's sitting there and the operating officer is responsible for everything that provides service to the customer. So trucks rolling, the doors being unlocked, the greeters, the cashiers being there, uh, just everything that's got to be running. Because if it's not running, the customer's not served, right? So the fact that I can show up there and I can do business at Walmart or any store is the responsibility of the operations officer. They're the competency department. They, uh, the store, the business has got to be competent doing that. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm calling tree people to come over here to take care of tree issues in my yard. So obviously I want operations. I want competency. I want people who can take down a tree, trim up a tree, not destroy neighbors' houses and neighbors' cars or anything else, but can do it properly. That competency, that's the service side. They're providing the service because until they provide that service, they don't get any money, right? And that's how operations works. Now, Walmart also has what's called a marketing officer or a chief marketing officer. If you, you'll find both of those titles in almost every company, the chief marketing officer, the chief operating officer. The chief marketing officer's responsibility, and I asked this to my sons the other day, so, I, so we're talking about Walmart and using the same example, and my 14-year-old said, what does the chief marketing officer do? And he said, they bring people to the store. That's right. That's what marketing is about. It, marketing is about bringing in your customers or letting your customers know how you've served them. Marketing is education. Marketing is it. So if you read, uh, if you read uh, Seth Godin's new book, This Is Marketing, he talks about it all through the book, that marketing is service in its own way because it's educating the customer. So in education, what I'm doing is I'm helping the customer understand what services I do provide, what I can do for them, and what I have done for them. So the marketing officer of Walmart is putting out ads, putting out billboards, putting out commercials, taking care of their website, their search engines, but they're also doing crazy stuff that many of us take for granted. They're deciding what shelves have what things on them because it helps make them make more money. What's at the end cap? What's a, at the cash register, the checkout for you know all, um, impulse buying? and all. There's a lot of science about, behind it. Um, there's a lot of science to making us spend more money at Walmart. You know that time you go in, I'm going in for one thing and I come out with $200 worth of stuff. Uh, great marketing on their part. So this is marketing. This is uh, what that does. So the words operations and marketing are the two key roles of companies. And they're the two roles that customers see. So if we think about we're customers of Walmart. What we see when we show up is operations. 
What we see also, because we see other things, the advertisements and all the kind of, we, we see the marketing. Those are the two, those things are very visible to the customer that what's happening. Not, you don't see it all happen, but you see the impact of both of them. Because one is about serving us and the other is about letting us know and educating how you can service us. Now the other two roles, finance and op and research are what we would call back of the room operations or this stuff the customer doesn't usually see. We're not I'm not going to deal with that right now. I want you to focus on the first two. Because let's forget about Walmart. Let's think about you. When you're looking in the mirror and you're looking at well you're looking at a couple of different people. You have a split personality whether you want to or not. You're looking back at your operations officer, you're looking at your marketing officer, at your research officer, and your financial officer. Now, all of those four roles of a company are usually led by what's called the CEO or the chief executive officer that makes strategic long-term decisions. And you're also looking back at that person. You see, if you're an employee, you have all those responsibilities. So let me give you an example. If you're showing up at work I hope you're competent, but I can almost guarantee you, I can almost guarantee every one of you that you're leaving money on the table because you're missing operations stuff that your customer cares about. Yeah, there's a little research that goes in. There's a little communication. There's a lot of, there's, there's places where marketing and operations come together. You're missing it. You're missing out. I don't know this because I've chatted with you directly. I know this because I've chatted with thousands of people about this and almost everybody's missing something. It's human nature. We're all missing something. I miss stuff all the time and then I find it and then I realize I'm missing something else. So you're no different. Uh, because when you find those things, more money flows. And what I mean by that is there's things that your customer wants to be served that you're missing. There's things that you could do to serve them better that you're not doing. And that's sometimes as easy as a conversation with a boss. Hey, boss, what am I not doing that I should be doing? Sometimes it's that easy. And many of you don't have that conversation, which is a pretty easy conversation. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's a, it's, a, it's a difficult animal to peel apart. What does the customer really care about? And so for, for those entrepreneurs and small businesses, big businesses, everything else, they spend a lot of time on that. So Apple spends a ton of time thinking about what does the customer want? Walmart spends a ton of time thinking about what does the customer really want? In operations stuff, how do they want the store to look? How do you know what do they want? Do they want carpet? Do they want hardwood floors? Do they want tile? What are the what val, what do they value? Now, so it's a little marketing and a little operations, but they spend a lot of time on it. And they're companies, and they're smart. How much time do you spend on it? Do you spend any time thinking about what the customer wants? Because here's what I observe. I observe people coming to us and getting master's degrees, and I will ask them, you know, does your boss care about a master's degree? I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think so. Why wouldn't they? <laughs> I can give you a lot of reasons why they wouldn't. That's not the point. You know, I'm not your customer. 
you know, have you got clarity? Well, people come and they're getting certifications and all these crazy things and they're spending money getting certifications and uh, they just haven't thought through what that means. So you have that responsibility, but you kind of get that. When most people kind of get the one that they're totally blindsided by, and you probably are too, is the marketing. When was the last time you educated your customer about how you serve them? When was the last time you educated your customer about how you have served them? What have you done for me lately? Many of you have said, I've said it, I know you've said it, is I don't feel appreciated. I've done a lot of stuff and I don't feel like anybody noticed. They may not have, and I'm sorry. We don't notice stuff. Whose responsibility is it to make them notice? It's yours. Now, I don't mean, somebody asked me the other day, he said, Dell, I'm really struggling how to market myself internally because I don't want to come off like that used car salesman. Yeah, you don't. Except it does work for used car salesmen, I, but I won't go into that. But you don't want to come off like that. You want to come off like Seth Godin talks about as serving people through mar- by marketing to them. It's a very service-oriented activity. Marketing is serving. You're helping the customer understand what they want to buy. That sounds weird, but you do it. You have How many times have you walked into a store or have somebody come and give you a bid on something for your house or, or something for your car that you need, need some work? And they educate you on why you need to spend money. And because they've done a good job educating you, you're kind of happy that you came and talked to them and spent the money with them. Because they may have saved you a lot of grief. You may have had somebody you want to paint something on your house, on the exterior of your house, and the painter comes over there and says, you know, you've got some rotten wood up there, and I can paint it. But if I don't fix it first, it's going to be a bigger issue and cost you more money. Right? That's, that's education. That's marketing. Because probably you're about to write a bigger check than you thought you did. And if done the right way, it's awesome. You need to be doing that on your job. You need to be doing that whether you are an entrepreneur and you've got a bunch of millions of customers or tens of customers. It doesn't really matter how many customers you've got. Or if you work for AT&T in a big entity and you think of yourself as an employee, you need to be marketing. Now, we can't get into all the different ways to do that here, but it's not ex- it's not really as complicated as it sounds. You just have to be creative. And we can talk about that plenty Uh, We can talk about plenty of ways to do that. But let me give you the awesome part of this. It's if you stop and you start looking. If you stop and you start. If you stop thinking about yourself as an employee, which is a... um, It's kind of an entitlement model. I'm entitled. And you start thinking of yourself as a business or a company. It's an empowering model. You now have control. You have control of who your customer is. You don't even have to work where you work. You can provide your services to somebody else. Maybe your customer doesn't appreciate it. Maybe they don't even need it. Maybe they don't value it. That's fine. Go give it to some other 
group of people or group of customers that do, you are empowered to do that. My tree cutting guy that comes and looks at my trees, if I don't value what he says and he's like, you want to pay me $100 to do that? That's a $1,000 job. Well, that's fine. We can shake hands and go away and he can go find another customer because he gets to decide who he wants to work for and who he doesn't. If I'm a jerk to him, he can say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not messing with you. We have that power. And it's really, really fun when you think about that power. Here's the great thing that happens to it. When people embrace this, and this is where, and I'll look back, I, I, I talked about a podcast a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember. Weeks kind of all run together for me sometimes on podcast. But a while back, and we'll put it in the link in the show notes. The show notes are going to be at delcallahan.com slash 174. But I talked about how to increase your salary by $30,000. Right. So if you got my email, you know that uh, people I've, I've done this so many times and there's reasons I use a thirty thousand dollar number. But, uh, you know, people have called me the thirty thousand dollar man one time. And uh, and all I could remember was the six million dollar man. For those of you who know who that is on television, I thought, wow, I'm, I'm really cheap. Uh, but still, but you get the idea. So it's it's a thirty thousand whack of money. Uh, it's easy to achieve. Yeah. And it, Conceptually, it's easy. Now, it may take some things, it may take some hard work, it may take some activity, but uh, to hit a $30,000 increase of money, and for some people, that's doubling their income. Some people, it's a blip. <laughs> I get that. Uh, but you can increase your income if you take responsibility. And it doesn't depend on when the pay raises are coming, when the uh, job promotions are coming. It doesn't depend on any of that. I prom- I know you're thinking, Dale, you don't understand my company. I know. I've heard it a hundred times. I do understand your company. They value service. And if you understand, they, they need certain things. And if you find out what those things are, you can make the money change quickly. I've done it many times in my life outside of pay raises and outside of these kind of things and in entrepreneurial circles, you can make the money move any time of the year, no matter even what the crisis is going on, you can make money move. So this is the company of one concept. So I'm kind of giving you the, I'm giving you the high level. I'm giving you the most important part. We can obviously dive down into the details, but I want you to take responsibility because the kind of people I want to work with as customers Right, because I get to choose who I work with as customers, just like you do. And so, in terms of this podcast, in terms of the coaching I do, I want to work with people who say that say, "I embrace this. I may not understand it. I may be struggling with how to do it, but that gummit, I want to take responsibility." Because those kind of people, to me, you are exciting to work with. You are you excite me to work with. Because it energizes me to work with you. And it makes me want to do creative stuff. The other kind of people that want to sap the life out of me because they're entitled, I don't want to work with them. I refuse to work with them because it saps the life out of me. Who wants to do that, right? So uh, if this works for you, awesome. As a matter of fact, if you want to talk about how we can help you make this work for you, we have a free 45-minute call. You can get on the call with me. I've been talking to tons of you. This is awesome. Uh, so there's a link in the show notes at dalecallahan.com slash 174. I think it's gotten the last couple of ones, but this will, this will be 174. 
So that's it for the company of one model. And by the way, I'm looking for podcast reviews. This is something I always, 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 always neglect is, is promoting a podcast and doing stuff like that. I'm terrible at, at doing that. Uh, it's just one of those things that slips my mind. But uh, so, yeah, if you're, uh, I'll put a link in there to how to do a podcast review. It's a pain to me, but uh, doing it from your iPhone is actually the easy way to do it or your iPhone or your Android, whatever kind of device. Uh, that you choose to use. But that's it for tonight. That's it for today. That's it for this podcast. And I will be back here next week. So on Facebook, we run it live at the Facebook Dell Callahan's page. We run it live on Thursday night, the preview of the podcast. And then on we release the podcast on Tuesday the next day onto the iTunes and all the other crazy places in the world. So we will talk to you. I will talk to you and anybody else listening here. I guess that's on the team. We will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.